the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Certainly, if 2020 taught us anything, that it is a good idea to have a backup plan, and our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And when I say program, in this case, I mean the line of credit, of course. And if you decide to apply today, we will give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Today, I am excited to be speaking with David Langjuli from Fundraising Leadership. David is an experienced leader, fundraiser, trainer, and a certified professional coactive coach. David uses all of his courage, compassion, and wisdom to help leaders and their organizations flourish and thrive. As a coach, he's been described as gently fierce. David loves helping nonprofit leaders clarify what's essential and important so they can effectively lead their teams and achieve results for their organizations. As a trainer, David helps teams working groups and boards build trust, engage in healthy conflict, and create cultures of accountability, candor, and integrity. His professional background spans both the nonprofit and corporate sectors for over three decades. On a fun fact side of the house, David is currently on a 10-year quest to be a black belt in the martial art of jiu-jitsu. David, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be with you here and now. <laughs> yep. Uh, today's topic, uh, what we're going to be talking about in a second, is about you know being a nonprofit leader and a guide, you know, a guide for board members. And I, you know, the the reason why we kind of come up to this topic is because you actually wrote a thirty-page. Uh, ebook or pa- pamphlet on this subject, correct? I did, yes. Uh, along with a couple of my other partners at Fundraising Leadership, we um, put out into the world an ebook for um, essentially for board members uh, in the nonprofit world. And we do offer that uh, as a complimentary resource on the Fundraising Leadership uh, website. And we really wanted to focus on some of the ways of being a board member as opposed to what board members do like in their governance role we we were really coming at it from a different angle like how do how how do you be an ex, an, an effective board member a lot of folks get on boards and they really have no idea what they're getting into especially in small and medium sized non nonprofits yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's great that you have that. Um, you know, a little bit more of extensive package. I know. You know, I have a lot of guests on who talk about the uh, boards and stuff like that, and I don't think any of them have ever come up with a you know thirty page document to really kind of talk about the nuts and bolts of really running a great um, 
board, you know, if when you when you were in consulting with boards, and you know, again, this is for smaller boards, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nonprofits that are under five million dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the number one thing that you come across over and over again that you have to kind of address first? Mm. Yeah, it's like the first essay in the ebook is like oftentimes we find that boards have not even consciously designed how they're going to work together. Mm. They literally, you know, somebody, another board member, executive director, uh, it recruits them. Um, again, look, I am saying this. I'm speaking generalizations here. Some small to medium-sized nonprofits have very good board member packets and have these very um, thoughtful conversations before become, before people become board members. But once even there, once they're on the board, <clears throat> there isn't this what we call designing the alliance. This is where the board actually comes together at least annually and has a discussion about nothing else other than like the ground rules for for how they're going to be together for the coming year. So that's like how on earth can you possibly be on a board where there is never a discussion. By the way, this works for teams too. We find this in teams, uh, not just on boards. But people very rarely ever design consciously, you know, their ground rules would be another way of call. We call it designing the alliance, but uh, you might think of it as ground rules. Do you, yeah. you find do you find that the majority of uh, board directors are from the business sector? Yes, I do. And there is even in the corporate world, there is an absence of this kind of conscious designing of boards. Um, yeah. I mean, the reason I ask, well, and I guess there's there's two different types of business people. There's business people who actually have built mm-hmm. companies, mm-hmm. and then business people who have worked in corporate uh, America. And then there's a third one we could say, like the service, and you see this too, I'm sure in your audience, a lot of service providers. So you'll see lawyers and accountants and uh, uh, maybe marketing, you know, PR firm, people who are on boards because they're advising, right? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I asked that question, and I, I guess, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, or you're a business owner, you're used to building processes. Mm-hmm. It's like second nature because you can't build a company without building structure and processes. Now, certainly, maybe it takes a year or two or three before you kind of start really kind of formalizing that. Um, now, if you work for a corporation, then um, I don't know if that's as intuitive mm-hmm. as, um, you know, that you have to have this structure in place when you are working with um, smaller nonprofits that, that only are only a couple of years old, how long does it take before you think that they kind of uh, uh, start to implement structure in the board? Yeah. Well, I would say right from the get go, it would be important. Well, that's when they do it, right? I mean, that's yeah. when they're supposed to do it, but that's they, when they, it should be done. Okay. And, and when we're talking about this conscious designing of how uh, board members are going to be together, it's something that um, 
And so sometimes you'll see that early on, and then it just gets lost by the wayside because you get into the, you know, let's see the financial report, and let's, you know, and you get into the governance, and you get into the, you know, um, the typical agenda items for board meetings. So when a new new year starts, as we are now, people forget. Oh, we forgot to just say, how do we want to be together this year? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. what are some of our uh, uh, agreements like um, like simple stuff like show up on time, start promptly end on time, confidentiality, uh, uh, you know, making sure everyone's whole voice is heard. I mean, I'm just throwing things out. Yeah. Here, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you know, be candid with each other. Boy, you, you it, it's incredible to see how. uh n- not candid people like you and I had a very candid, we don't, we don't even know each other. And we had a very candid conversation about, you know, state and federal government before we got on the podcast. Right. We were pretty straight with one another. Well, I wasn't exactly candid with you though. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's tough to be candid. Uh, you yeah. Know? You know, you don't, especially nowadays in politics, you know, you oh, don't, you don't want to go over the line, right. Where people, you know, especially in your guests. So I don't want to tell you that, you know, the way I really feel. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's but the that, problem, right? People aren't straight with one another, but you can design that. You can say, look, <clears throat> we invite an environment where board members are straight with one another. They, there's a very good book and we reference the model in the ebook. Um, it's a longer discussion about radical candor, uh, a book by Kim Scott that I encourage all of your audience to, to get and read or listen to yourself as well. If you haven't um, for the shorthand version, you can just read the chapter in the book on, on being candid in, in our ebook, yeah. but you know, it's about caring personally and challenging directly. That's her model. And I think it's a very good model. You can care about people personally and challenge them directly. So, um, but you have like, you can't just dive into that without saying this is like a value of ours as a board, like be candid with one another. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, then, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I mean, I don't agree with you in that and, and, you know, candor and bringing it at, bringing out opinions and, 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 and mm-hmm. uh, uh, ideas. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think that if anybody we're, we're looking in, you know, right now this podcast is, is going to air in you know, early 2021 mm-hmm. and, I think if, if I was running a board and I've been on a board before, Mm -hmm. if I was running a board, I would set my goal. If my board was relatively new, um, you know, within the last couple of years and I'm, and I'm listening to this podcast about structure is I think the number one, most important thing I would say is in 2021, we want to make our board meetings better. Mm -hmm. Like if, 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 we want to make it, we want to have a structure. We want it. We want to stick to the structure. And if you can come out of 2021 with a, having better board meetings, mm-hmm. probably the work that's going to come out of that board meeting is going to just f- follow that lead. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think having a good structure for a board meeting is essential and uh, I'm currently serving on a nonprofit board, and I've served on uh, some others over the past 30 years. Um, and the ones that are effective boards not only have this conversation about 
how you know some ground rules about how we're going to be together during these meetings but they have a structure to the meeting and you can design that in a lot of different ways but again like consciously designing this is how we want our meetings to go um so for the audience if usually there is some in my experience some structure and then i think you have to allow room for these um other, you know, for these other things, like, you know, in 2020, we had a pandemic. And so, you know, how do you, <laughs> wasn't on the agenda item. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, so sometimes you have to be very flexible with your structure, uh, for sure, because a lot of things come up. Uh, and some, some nonprofits were in death spirals last year. And, uh, you know, boards needed to create space to have these, uh, conversations uh very difficult conversations yeah yeah i mean you know i think that i know even from my own company standpoint you know someone i think you could say oh well you couldn't predict a pandemic coming right mm-hmm. yeah but could you have predicted that your your, re, your what would, you know not predicted could you have planned and looked at your organization and said, what happens if this funding goes away? Right. What what will we do? Right. You know, yeah. that's kind of, you know, that's the reality of all nonprofits that there there are there are funders who come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, and there are people on the board that come and go. Right. There are uh, you know, a key officers that come and go. I mean, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so I think you're you are uh, pointing toward um, another essential role for board members is to ask those hard questions of the staff. I guess you know it, it depends on how large, so especially at the early stages, right. board members are the staff, and the staff are the board members, right? Yeah, and they're true. doing they're doing a lot of the work, and so usually in those scenarios. I, I find that there's very little time for, you know, people to ask those kinds of questions. But let's say this is a more established uh, 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 organization. It's been around a little while. You have some formal staff. You have a, a stable board. Board members ought to be asking these questions. If nothing else, what we learned from 2020 is that board members need to ask these questions and creating an environment where this is where candor comes in again, um, creating that culture where uh, candid questions can be asked and also creating a, a, an environment where um, gossip is minimized. So this is another thing we write about in the in the ebook is um you know uh, ending gossip on boards and within the organization uh, it's a hard thing to do but boy oh boy is it is it a um it's corrosive yeah, yeah. i'm surprised that it's such a big topic that it made the book well because people go around see people are afraid to have these candid conversations and then they go around. So, you know, something's happening in the organization and then rather than deal with it with the executive director or with the person where there's, there's, you know, some kind of conflict, they go to board members. Well, that's a form of, in some respects, that's a form of, of gossiping, right? Yeah. You're unwilling 
unwilling to have the conversation directly. And now I'm not saying there aren't situations, mind mind you, where those kinds of conversations are necessary. I would say that they're rare and they should be rare, but in fact, they happen much too often and create a lot of drama in uh, nonprofit organizations. Yep. So now I, I have to ask the nonprofit that you're on right now mm-hmm. and don't, don't mention their names, but mm-hmm. um, they, do you find that that board that you're on follows the rules of the 30 page pamphlet that you produced? I would say it's a work in progress for this board. I am bringing a lot of this to the board. Um, and so I would say it's a work in progress, but we are consciously, you know, addressing these, um, these items. And I, I would say we have, you know, one of the things I took talk about in the ebook is, you know, creating a culture of accountability on the board. And I'm sure you've seen, and I've seen boards that don't have a good culture of accountability, like, you know, just a way of capturing promises or commitments made and following up on them without judging people harshly. Um, and so we do have that culture on the board I currently serve on. And, uh, you know, we also, there's something else we talk in the book about, like providing acknowledgement and feedback. Now, this is board member to board member. And that rarely ever happens. But on our board, we do have that culture. And that is also something that I, I have brought in, acknowledging people and providing them with feedback. Yes. It's a, it just must be – I'm curious to know. It must be incredibly challenging when you go onto a board and um, you, you, and you and the person who's running it – and I'm not saying it's in this board that you're on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when you come in, you're the expert on how a board meeting should be run, whereas the, um, uh, the board chairman who's running the board – is not very good at it. Mm-hmm. It must be frustrating. Well, thankfully, this board I came on was functioning pretty well in terms of in terms of its meetings. So, um, on another board I served on a few years back, um, I came on that board. It was a startup nonprofit. There was very little structure. And after a year, I was asked to become the chairman, and then yes, I brought that structure in. It, um, and so, but even while I was serving, just as a, a board member, uh, you know, as a board member, so long as you have a group of other board members who are willing to listen to feedback and suggestions in an open way. You should say, hey, you can suggest like, well, we might want to consider running the meetings this way. <laughs> this is what yeah. getting back to this. How do you design the alliance? Like, how do we want to meet together? How frequently? Uh, what should the agenda look like? Uh, what are the important things we're going to talk about? Um, what happens when stuff comes to the board that isn't on the agenda? I mean, you can design all that. Uh, but unless you consciously do it, it you know, you're not going to know how to deal with it when it happens. So yeah. maybe you could tell me about a typical scenarios when you're 
brought it brought in and um how that affects uh like what what is the most important thing that where you're you're well, i'm sorry i got distracted for a second no no worries yeah. uh, I, I i apologize I, uh, I had somebody running through my office and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's COVID now. Streaker, so, streaker yeah. alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the most typical scenario that you're brought into to help a board is for what reason? Yeah, well, one of the ones that um, we see a lot of is being asked to help the board build a culture where there's trust um, and we do that <clears throat> with uh, something you might be familiar with this uh, uh, from the corporate sector, but we use a, a an assessment called the DISC assessment. Or I don't know if you're or anyone in your audience is familiar with DISC, but it's a behavioral assessment. It's it sort of gets at how different people to communicate essentially. And we usually have groups um, take this assessment and share with each other, their, their communication style and how they want to be communicated and what their style is for communicating. And that usually reveals to the board some of the reasons why conflict comes up or reluctance to share or, you know, steering away from candid conversations. And uh, once you start to, and then of course you can reveal what the system or the board actually, if there are, it could be skewed one way or another and, and you don't have diversity of communication styles. You know, we talk a lot about diversity, but also um, diversity of, of opinion and, and communication styles is, is important to be aware of. And so, for example, you might have a lot of people on your board that have, that are rational analytical thinkers uh, <clears throat> and they tend to get bogged down in the paralysis of analysis, right? but they don't even realize that they get bogged down in that because they don't know their styles. So anyway, we, 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 we have everyone kind of see their own preferences and then we see what the board looks like as a whole. And then there, that can create better communication and trust on the board. So you can have these um, difficult conversations that boards need to have, especially during troubling times. Yeah. Give it, uh, and you know, I was looking at your name of your company again, fundraising leadership. So, mm -hmm. um, it's it's not like the, the the name of your company is board leadership. It's fundraising. So, I guess majority yeah. of the time you are focusing on how to help a nonprofit uh, improve their fundraising efforts, not so much improve the board. But are they one and the same? Well, look in in the small to medium sized nonprofit organization, the board has if it doesn't have shared responsibility for fundraising then that nonprofit organization is not going to last too long yeah. <laughs> and we do see a lot of dysfunctional boards that way you know people come on boards they don't know that there is an expectation uh for helping with fundraising or they there might be you know some reluctance to get involved with that. And so uh, we're just starting, even though the name of our organization is fundraisingleadership.org, we focus on the leadership aspect of what it takes to be successful in a nonprofit world. And more recently, we did 
uh, a lot of the work we do with leaders now, we're starting to, uh, because we all come from fundraising backgrounds, we're starting to do some training uh, around fundraising as well, although there's lots of that training out there for people that's a commoditized sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But, but we are offering it, but we tend to focus on not so much the doing of fundraising, but more like what does it take to be a fundraiser, especially if you've never done it before. Yeah. And that would be a lot of board members. Mm -hmm. If you had to contrast the clients that you go into and try to help that succeed, and then the ones where you go into an assignment and it just doesn't work out, um, Mm. what is the biggest difference in that? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it from our other work that we do, which is coaching. We're all you know, certified coaches. And so we do a lot of one-on-one coaching uh, with individuals who work in the nonprofit world. And the biggest thing between success and failure is when someone that says, you know, is recommended, quote unquote, for coaching. Like in other words, the board needs that needs, you know, sends the executive director to get fixed by a coach. That almost always fails. <laughs> People are not, we, we take a stand that people are not broken. Yeah. They don't need to be fixed. All right. That's where it's incredibly successful is when the board says, you know, this is a growth opportunity for you, executive director. Um, you know, we want to see you continue to, to flourish and thrive in this role. We want to retain you. We love what you're doing. And we think, you know, we want to support you and uh, provide some uh, funding for uh, you to work with an executive coach. That usually is a home run every time. Yeah. Every single time. But it, you know, a lot of boards think like, or even executive directors think like, oh, this staff member needs to be fixed. I'm going to go send them to work with a coach. Now, it may be that there is some area that someone wants to work on. Notice I said wants to. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not that they're being sent to. Uh, coaching camp to get fixed when, when it, when it's, when it's framed that way, it almost always doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're starting, let's say it's, you know, it's 2021 right now Mm. and you're going into a nonprofit that the board's only been together for a couple of years, Mm. it's a smaller, so, you know, probably they have dual roles, like you said. Mm. Um, What would you say the top three things are that's that, that a, a board has to do to help with fundraising? Oh, very good question. Number one, be willing to get messy. Yep, hands on. <laughs> be willing, yeah, be willing to mix it up. That's yep. number one. Like, be willing to get your hands dirty. Even if you don't know what the hell you're doing. It's like finger painting. Just give it a try. Something, there'll be something will come out from it. <laughs> Number two, ask yourself the question, who do I know? Yeah. Who do I know? Like, just ask, hey, who do I know that, you know, cares about this mission? Who do I know? People think like, oh, it's other people. (laughs) You know, I have to go to complete strangers. And then the third thing is, um, don't be afraid of getting a no. Yeah. Like when you make a request, right? So once you get your hands dirty and you go to someone you know, 
and you say, this is what I'm up to. I'm on this board, this great organization, helping a lot of people. Would you be willing to make a $1,000 or $10,000 donation? When the answer comes back, no, don't take it personally. (laughs) Those are the top three things I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) It's so amazing because, I mean, my nature is a salesperson. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I started my career with. So, it's – these are so easy. And I – but I, and I get why people are afraid to do it if they're – if they don't come from that background, right? right. I get it. I, you know, I, I'll give you an example. I I, uh, I own a, uh, this office building and, and I rent to um, – this one very, very, very small nonprofit, this one mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. And they, they work with people, um, th- with people who mutilate their bodies mm. uh, and mm. these cutters, you know, those type mm. of things. And so, you know, she's been the, the executive director. She's everything, you know, right. The, right. It, it's very small anyway. So, you know, she, um, so she's talking to me about, um, that she, you know, is going to not make rent because she's not able to raise the funds and, and stuff like that. And, and I was like, well, I go, you know, the service that you do here, I, I happen to have a friend who has a daughter who cuts herself. Mm. And, uh, and so, you know, I think it's great that they have a support organization to help these, these um, kids and people and stuff like that. So, you know, so, um, so she, so I said to her, I go, you know, the service that you provide is very valuable to these kids. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, have you ever gone to their parents and asked them to make a contribution? And she, she's like, no, she goes, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. You see, there it is. There it you is. Know, right there. I'm like, I'm like, wow. I go, you know, what an opportunity because I know like, for example, my friend's very wealthy and his daughter was a cutter. He would definitely make a donation, you know? Right. Uh, So so it's a very common story that you're sharing, um, especially in a smaller nonprofit is that the very – you 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 nailed it perfectly. Like the parents of the children who are benefiting from the service, and yet here's the fa- maybe the founder and executive director is unwilling to just go and ask them. Um, yeah, I you know just amazing. And then even if it's just sending a letter out, you know that's not even that's not even controvert not controversial but are you know hard to do you know right. and uh well one of the people margaret one of my partners in fundraising leadership does work with uh individuals it's it a lot of this is is around our own money stories that we have around money you know people have very money is a huge emotional trigger for people yeah and uh, you've just named one. I mean, here you have a, 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 a wonderful organization doing great work, and there's something there like, oh, I couldn't go ask them for money. So there's, some, there's always some limiting belief, right? And so Margaret, my, my partner here on Fundraising Leadership, she works with people to sort of identify and collapse those limiting stories so that they can go out and raise tons of money. Yeah, that's, yeah, but that's more like in a in a realm of coaching, you know, one on one coaching, because everybody's stuff around money is pretty unique to them. Yeah, 
Um, but as coaches, uh, especially Margaret, helps people, you know, break free of those limiting beliefs. Um, well, I told her to listen to the. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I told her to listen to these podcasts. Oh, good. Do, yeah. You know, because yeah. especially I said I said I have one coming up that's you know going to be released yeah. in your, yours, and I I said you know I think you should probably listen to it, and you know the these uh, podcasts that, that for the nonprofit they're very well received. They're um, you know I'm not. Uh, patting myself in the back by any means. What I'm saying is the market needed um, people to be able to get uh, a podcast about mm-hmm. running a nonprofit MBA. Because I, you know, I do another podcast called the Entrepreneur MBA, which is to help small businesses grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nonprofit nonprofit MBA podcast is much more well received and much more listened to, and has a bigger audience than the Entrepreneur one because the Entrepreneur one uh, has a lot of competition. There's a lot of people doing it, whereas the nonprofit is a lot less. And and also, like guests like yourself, uh, you know, you guys are experts at this. You know, you've been doing well, this for you. a long time, and. You know, um, that's why I really love the I love the pamphlet that you came out with. I think you know, listen. I think I've been doing this for three years now. I think we're going into our third year of these podcasts, right? And um, um, my my we've been working with nonprofits for ten years as far, mm-hmm. as a company. But mm-hmm. the uh, thing that I've noticed is um, is if a if someone at the board takes the effort to uh, uh, read about, educate, listen about how to get a, to make a board a better board or a nonprofit a better nonprofit, that's the first most important step you could possibly do. Yeah. Well, you and I share this love of, of what uh, Carol Dweck, you know, you know, Carol Dweck calls the growth mindset and uh, so, yes, um, many nonprofits are started, especially the small and medium-sized ones are early stage, we might say also, or startup nonprofits uh, are founded with great intentions, with great purpose, and um, they start to grow. And then the leadership, including the board and any staff, starts to confront their growth edge as to what you know, is they can do to continue to sustain, and they'll they'll bump up against all kinds of of problems. Like, okay, we don't, you know, we need a line of credit so they can go to you, right? Uh, uh, we need uh, an accountant because our 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 uh, finances are getting more difficult, or whatever it is, right? So one of the things we train leaders on is just asking for help. And yeah. but you have to first realize that you need help, and it's very hard for people to ask for help. <laughs> yeah, the other the other thing I saw with my own uh, the nonprofit I I was involved with recently for several years was, um, you know, there's a lot of turnover, mm-hmm. and you know, you you select a it's a, sometimes if it's, if it's a functioning board, it's been a while for a while, you select maybe a new uh, board of directors every year or every two years. Mm-hmm. And, and then a new person has to come in in some regards, reinvent the wheel. And so if you get one uh, uh, director of the nonprofit who says, you know, this is our format and this is what we're going to run for now on. And, it, you know, then then you're setting the groundwork for a structure that will stand the test of time and hopefully they'll add to it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, well, 
that's good. I think that's important to have a, a solid foundation so that when people come and go, and they do, um, the structure is still there. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on your recommend. Do you have a recommendation for how long a board president should stay as a board president for a smaller uh, nonprofit? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, it's one of those things that I think the board has to design for itself, and you know, bylaws are there. Um, and like the Constitution of the United States, they can be amended, <laughs> right? There's got to be a process in the bylaws for amending them. So um, I do, just like in government, uh, I, I do believe in term limits for board members. I do believe in having some structure because the other flip side of this also happens. You get board members who stay on, you know, and uh, too long and uh, uh, are not willing to change. So I, I think. Each organization has to choose what works best for them. I think the board I'm serving on now, these are annual renewable terms, and I think we can serve for a maximum it's somewhere around six or eight years. I can't remember, and then we you know we have to roll off. Um, so I am now in my third year, I believe, on this board. So anyway, I, I like the idea of term limits. I, I, I think you want some long runway for for contributing board members to continue to serve and contribute. Um, and you want processes, you know, for time. Even if they're a good board member, it's just maybe after five years, you know, or whatever you set, you want people to, you know, move off and make room for new blood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, a lot of great information today. Unfortunately, you know, we, we ran out of time, but mm-hmm. certainly uh, our guests, uh, I'm sorry, our listeners can go and go to your website. They can, uh, uh, you know, look at the pamphlet that you're talking about, uh, the ebook, also mm-hmm. talk to you, of course. So, you know, David, I would like to thank you so very much for coming on board today. And I gave, uh, again, it was a great, you know, conversation, open and forthcoming, certainly. Um, so I'd like to thank David for from uh, Fundraising Leadership for coming on board today. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app. It allows us to get the word out. Um, and uh, if you're looking for a line of credit f- uh, for your nonprofit, uh, please give us a call at 862-207-4118. Or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. David, if uh, someone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yep. Just navigate over to fundraisingleadership.org or you can email me, david, at fundraisingleadership.org. And Stephen, I just want to acknowledge you for um, what you're doing for the nonprofit world. I really appreciate all these podcasts and the intention behind it well that's nice of you to say i enjoy it it's i have great guests and it's a lot of fun and i hopefully um i always say at the i always say this at the very end and i always thank the nonprofits for making the world a better place but maybe uh maybe in my own little way this podcast is making the world a better place too it is 
Yeah. So we certainly need that. We need everybody out there to make an effort to make our world a better place. Uh, there's so much suffering out there mm -hmm. and we need to be better people, better leaders, uh, better parents. Uh, we can do it. We can all get better. And, uh, and by just making an effort by listening to this podcast, you've already started. So mm -hmm. David, uh, thank you very much and happy new year. And, and hopefully 2021 is a heck of a lot better than 2020. <laughs> thank you, Stephen. All right, everybody. Uh, please stay healthy. Uh, please uh, 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 do your best to, again, make this world a better place. Thanks. Thanks.